Welcome everybody to the next episode of the Cannabis Review. I'm delighted to be joined in this episode by Keith Bushfield, who's the CEO of Rex's Biotech. How are you keeping today, Keith? Good, and yourself? I'm very well, thank you very much. Thank you for taking your time to do this. Can you maybe give everybody a little overview of your career to date and how you found yourself at Rex's Biotech? Yeah, it's, you know, serial entrepreneur came out of school and realized, uh, you know, I didn't want to go down a law school path. I didn't want to go down some of the things that I thought were predetermined for me. So I really got in the entrepreneurial space, did a lot of different things. And then I started a biotech firm in 2009 and that managed to morph into another thing and another thing approached by a few different companies to say, what could we use our technology or could we use our technology in cannabis? So we started to do some experimentation um, and here we are. So in 2002 or sorry, 2022, uh, Reaccess was founded um, and it took multiple technologies from different uh, entities, from different people, put them together to produce what we do today. So we are a biotech firm um, that really specializes in taking hydrophobic molecules, molecules that don't assimilate in water and having them assimilate in water. So uh, a thing like cannabis is a perfect example. Uh, we can take that hydrophobic molecule, stick it into our process, comes out the other end in a fine white powder, and that powder is now fully stable in water. So uh, we remove taste, smell, a lot of the profiles that are off-putting with cannabis, but at the same time, keeping a lot of the mechanisms for efficacy and so forth. So we kind of knew from the start of the beverage side of the industry that the cannabinoid molecules were either sticking to aluminium or were settling in a specific part of the can. So you guys are part of this new wave of technology that's allowing the cannabinoids to distribute throughout the product and give an exact kind of dosage? Correct, correct. The biggest problem with the, I'll call it, cannabis beverages 1.0 or 2.0 or 3, we're probably on to, you know, round 20 by now. But the original companies, the early companies, either just put oil into the beverage, which is just like salad dressing, salad dressing oil and water. It floats to the top, doesn't assimilate, tastes terrible, all the things that are bad with that. Then they got more sophisticated and they used sonification, high shear, a whole bunch of different things that have been in the pharmaceutical industry for years. Problem is it used a surfactant. So a surfactant is basically just a chemical. Some are more organic based than others, but it's still just a chemical. You use that surfactant to bond the molecule to water. So it's just an artificial way to hold it together. The problem with surfactants, they come apart. So they don't hold very well and it doesn't take long for them to separate. So the other, uh, the other issue with those is the flavor is very off-putting. That chemical that goes in there, uh, it's hard to deal with. So in the old days, you would get colas or root beer or other coffee things to try and hide the cannabis flavor. So with our technology, we use uh, our, our trade name is fused polymorph nanofiber. So we make a co-crystal of the cannabis molecule. So we make multiple molecules fused together in a permanent fuse. So they don't come apart. So you can take our ingredient, put it into water, put it into a beverage or whatever you're going to use, put it into food uh, and it will not separate over time. So we've got uh, pharmaceutical studies, two-year stability in water without separation. So pretty well unheard of in the industry. And that's, I think, why our um, path to growth has been so fast, because we have this that's different than everybody else. And I think that's where the market needs to go. You know, just like in every industry, we limp along until we make some breakthroughs in different industries or different technologies and so forth. And I think that's where we're at. So we're starting to see other companies 
dabble in trying to make it better. But, uh, you know, I, the beverage space is where the growth is happening. Uh, cannabis has been around in a bunch of different industries before this, but it was limited, I think, from technology. But now we've introduced this technology. It's growing at light speed. It seems to be the first wave of the cannabis industry was cultivated flower extraction equipment. And it's it doesn't seem that the first mover advantage is going to end up working in this industry. It seems to be that the reluctance for a lot of big brands to get into this was a the ingredient of a cannabinoid where biotech companies now are able to use fermentation engineering to make this molecule safe, stable, replicable over again. And you guys are delivering the mechanism for the distribution of the product. So would it be right in saying that the future of the industry after this wave is the brands, the people who can come up with the brands, tell the stories and connect with their customer bases? Uh, I think you couldn't put it any better. I couldn't have put it any better than what you just said. I've been preaching this since 2016, 17. There was this mad rush for everybody to be cultivator. Oh, we got a license. I spent a million dollars for this one, 10 million for that. I got a license. I said from day one, it's a commodity. As soon as we get economies of scale, whoever sells the best for the cheapest amount of money will continue to sell it. And there will be zero profit margin left. I use this example. Take Budweiser. I have no idea who makes the hops or the grain or the sugar or the canning facility. I don't know any of that. But I know Budweiser and I don't care who made all the other stuff, but the brand is what is worth the money. So you have situations like Canada where Canada eliminated branding. And that was a big mistake for their industry, because if you can't, if all the packages have to look the same, there's no branding differentiation. So branding of a product in that scenario maybe is equal, but in the rest of the world or primarily in the United States right now, Branding is starting to become the most key place. So we're starting to see branding that doesn't look like the old cannabis branding where, you know, somebody was high and built that. Now it is full on like, you know, we we make products that look like, you know, full retail off the shelf. Coca-Cola made this. So it's getting away from that old fashioned way, building a brand that has a long life, building a brand that is resonates with people and key which i think is the brand is not a fringe anymore i had a discussion with someone recently about gummies and they said oh gummies are outpaced beverages always will and i said well i don't think so because gummies yes have been around for a long time but gummies are associated with children's vitamins or vitamins now they're associated with cannabis and not a lot of other things but when someone says oh i had a gummy the first thing that comes to mind is oh i snuck a gummy and i had cannabis with it the person that doesn't know about cannabis and all that has that reputation of or that image of what cannabis and gummies are going to be. However, if I give someone one of these, we've been drinking RTDs, ready to drink beverages our entire lives. I can drink this. This is now a transition between someone that's never tried cannabis and someone that has someone that can try five milligram dose. It's like drinking a beer. It has a slight intoxicating. It's, it's not crazy. You're not you know, eating two because the first one didn't work and looking at purple dinosaurs 45 minutes later and wondering what happened. So we don't want that. The other thing is the old adage of, I want to get someone as high as I possibly can. We don't go by that. We don't build drinks that are more than five or 10 milligrams. It's kind of our own company motto. And the big guys that we work with, the 
biggest alcohol brands in the world, they have said to us, why would I possibly want someone to have a hundred milligram drink? I want them to have five so I can sell them five in an evening instead of selling them one. It makes no sense. So we're starting to see the old cannabis religion of, you know, that, that get everybody's high as possible starting to dissipate, especially when it's coming to mainstream. And that mainstream brings the brands. And I can tell you, I can't tell you who, but I can tell you the biggest brands we work with and they are coming like a freight train and people don't realize it yet, but it, all those purists that were like, Oh, keep the Pepsis and Cokes and Anheuser's out of the business. Forget it. That's coming and that's coming strong. Yeah. And I seem to think most people are overlooking that consumer of 55, 60 plus that actually are looking for alternatives to the current uh, methods that are taken for various different ailments that the people who can tell the brands to those stories. And as you said, the micro doses, nobody wants at that age to be uh, feeling uncomfortable after uh, consuming a product in any way, shape or form. Absolutely. Without question. It's uh, it's a, uh, you know, if there's two things that have changed and with our technology that have really changed the market speed to use, the old days, like I kind of alluded there with the purple dinosaur and you were so high, you didn't know what was going on. A gummy hits 45 minutes later, you know, and some of these companies are doing nanofibers, which we have nano in our name, but that's just as part of the process. Nano 99.9% .9 of the time is just a bunch of BS. It, you know, it doesn't mean anything. They can't hold that, that nanoparticle that size anyway. So some have come up with a better, faster way to make it work, but not really. You know, we did University of Mississippi studies. We did a bunch of trials to see how fast we could do this. We got it in the bloodstream in less than five minutes. So you feel it very quickly. And that's the big thing. How can we control offset and offset? So if I can have a drink, make it work really fast, I have a lower dose. That's going to change the industry in terms of what people believe is a, a realistic dose. People aren't scared to try it. They can have that dose that's be accurate every single time. And that is a big reason why also the industry hasn't exploded yet. And I think that's where it's starting to go because now the technology will dictate that the big brands like that don't have to worry that they can build a brand, they can build a product, or so I should say they can build a brand around the technology that will be long-term. I want to talk a little bit about your fuse polymorph fiber technology. Can you maybe explain a little bit what was the time frame for R and D? It looks like I was reading three years, and uh, was that three successful years or three roller coaster of emotion years? Uh, yeah, I think they're always roller coasters. Um, you know, we had some aha moments along the way, and I'd even argue that it's been longer than three years if you took all the little pieces together. Um, the gist of that technology is we went at it completely different than everybody else went at it. And I think that's just probably from some sure luck and ignorance as to what everybody else was doing. Because I think if we as a team knew what everybody else was doing, we would try to mimic that. But because we went into it blind, we went in it for from a pharmaceutical side, a biotech side that said, look, I don't think that other way works. There's got to be a better way to do it. So yes, you had some trials, tribulations. We did have some very immediate success, not to the degree that we have now. So, you know, it's like going to the casino when you won right away, you're going to stick around a little bit longer and see how it goes. And so, you know, three, four, five, six years later, you know, here we are. So um, the nanofiber is 
without question, a game changer. Um, I think people that know us have used it, have said how much different it is. The biggest issues with an emulsion, as we talked about, which is what everybody but us uses in a beverage, it's basically just a liquid. You took cannabis and you uh, put it in a sonification device. You made the particles shatter a little bit. You put a surfactant with it, put it with water, and you drop some of those drops in your beverage, mix it up, and there you have it. Within minutes, it's stuck to the wall. Within minutes, it started to degrade. All of the things that go with it. And for the entire time, it tastes terrible. It's hard to hide that surfactant flavor. Now, I will go with some of our groups that are out there. I'm calling competitors. We don't really do what they do, but, you know, they've got better, but they're not there yet. So ours is so much different. We take multiple molecules. We fuse them together. They're permanently fused, and now they're stable. You can take our ingredient, our powder, stick it in a sealed bag so the oxygen doesn't get to it. Two years later, it has almost 100% the potency it had before it started. If you take a distillate and do that, you're going to lose 30, 40% in a matter of 30 to 45 days. So we suspend that animation, you might call it, so it can sit on that shelf and wait and then used when it's needed. And when we put it into water, we get the same. We had a six-month stability test on THC in a can, and we lost about 4% in potency over six months in a can. I won't say the name. I know two larger players that they have to overdose their cans before they get tested. And then they have to wait three days, then get it tested. Then on that third or fourth day, make sure they test it so that it all comes out with the right levels. The problem is this one company had something go wrong with the metric system that they had to enter it into the cannabis system. They had to retest it. And only seven days later, it didn't pass because it degrades that fast. So the consumer gets a beverage that says it has five milligrams. If they didn't buy that beverage for 30 days, the thing has like maybe two milligrams in it. So that's not fair to the consumer either. Yeah, it passed testing when it left the lab, but that's the big thing too. Of we don't have those issues. And I think that's what's changing the industry too. You know, the technology is starting to build the brands that will get involved. And that's what makes that polymorph nanofiber so different. It's very, very exciting, and I have no doubt it's uh, going to be one for all the viewers of this show to watch that the big brands are coming to beverages, and it's because of companies like yours and the team that you're building at Rexus Biotech. So, Keith, I know you're a very busy man, so I won't keep you too much longer, but thank you very much for your time, and hopefully we get to touch base in the next 12 months, and we have a few updates from you of where the industry is heading. Absolutely, anytime. I love talking about what we do, so uh, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. For anybody who wants to know more about Rexus Biotech, you can see the website below. It'll be in the description where you're hearing or watching this anywhere. And um, for now, thank you very much and see you next episode.